Hi, everyone. My name is Jasmine Mensa. I am the founder and head coach of House of Pageantry. And today we are discussing removing racism from pageantry. Welcome to Pageantland, the UK's premier podcast for all things pageantry, with your host, Jessica Barkley. Here you'll find guest experts, past, present, and future queens, plus my own personal insights into what it's like to follow your pageantry dreams. So whether you're hitting the stage for the first time, looking to up your game, or even after some inspiration to follow your own dreams, I hope you will find something here for you. I'll ask the questions you're too embarrassed to and get real about the highs and lows of pageantry. If you enjoy this episode, please give us a share on social and pop me a review on iTunes. Now strap on those heels and let's get into it because we have a lot to cover. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode. Season five is flying by. I'm still not used to the fact that we're in season five. It just seems like this epic accomplishment, and I'm very, very happy. Um, And obviously, by the time this one goes out, the website will have launched as well, and we've got new team members, and ah, it's just, it's all happening. All all the excitement. Um, but just in case uh, anyone doesn't know who you are, could you just give us a little bit of a background of when and how you started in pageantry? Yes, of course. Do you know what? It's just, this is such a, a weird up and down story for me. I guess the way I'm going to start is, um, so my first pageant was Miss Ghana UK 2012, which was eight years ago, actually now. And the reason why I started with beauty pageants is because I really wanted to develop my confidence. Um, because due to family issues, I didn't have that that much confidence within myself. And then actually, also the other aspect of it was I watched a documentary about the decolonization of Ghana, and I was kind of very intrigued to what has happened and why is Ghana not as developing? You know, it wasn't developing as fast compared to the Western world. So I thought to myself, what a better way to find out how I can make a difference in my country. Um, and I participated in Miss Ghana UK. So Miss Ghana UK was my first pageant. I placed top 10 and one Miss Personality. And I hope you guys will see my personality through this podcast. Um, and then after that, I went on to, what did I go on to after that? I think I took a bit of a break because what I started doing was I went into like modeling. Um, yeah, I went into modeling. Then I think I did Miss Face of Africa, Europe, but I didn't like the management um, and just decided, you know what, I have to withdraw myself from this pageant. Then decided to run my own beauty pageant with a group of other people during university called Mr. and Miss ACS UK, which stood for Mr. Mr. and Miss, of course, African Caribbean Society and Students. So it was particularly focusing on African and Caribbeans at university and the students that are there to just really empower them and give them a bit of confidence. Then after that, I went to Germany to train a few girls there in Miss Ghana, Germany. Um, Gosh, now thinking about it, what else have I done? Then I competed in Miss Africa, Great Britain, came second runner up. Then I did Miss Africa, no, I did Miss, Miss Tourism Ghana UK, came first princess. Um, And yeah, in in between those years, I also started um, House of Pageantry and I started House of Pageantry just mentoring like one or two girls. And then it literally expanded into mentoring boys, girls doing um, fashion shows, really doing choreography for fashion shows and everything like that as well. 
So, yeah, so it's been like seven years now that I've been in coaching or over seven years now that I've been coaching and mentoring girls and boys within the pageant industry and modelling. So you've been quite quiet, really, not not being doing very much at all. What do you mean? Very peaceful. Hello? Very peaceful, like, no, not, not really very much, not been very busy at all. <laughs> yeah, do you know what? I, I, I feel like compared to other pageant girls, I feel like I haven't done much because there's not much like of a track record on my Instagram of like all the appearances that I've made and everything like that. So sometimes it feels like I haven't done much. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's really hard with that, finding that balance, isn't it, between how much you do and do not post online. I'm terrible at remembering to take pictures. Like I'll go to events at the moment, but I'll go to events with my sash on and do all the things, but I'll still forget to take the photo. And I feel like it's more important that I'm there getting involved with my sash on than it, that I get the photo. Yeah. So it's great to publicize the event and my system with this photo on social media. Um, so it's like, and it's not like I'm not all over social media. I just forget to do the picture with my sash on. Yeah, same, same. Honestly, that is like my biggest challenge when it comes to like doing appearances, because I'm so... I'm very much into getting myself involved in the organizing side of things and networking and everything like that. But it's not in my mind to take a picture of me networking, if that makes sense, so that I can then post it on the Instagram. But over time, hopefully, if I do ever go back into um, being a contestant, I need to bear that in mind because that's something I always tell the girls. Make sure you actually go to a booking or an appearance with somebody else that can take pictures of you so that you have pictures for your portfolio and for your social media especially now during COVID um, a lot of pageants that I've heard of are judging girls on their appearances online so you know make sure that your social media is kind of active as well yeah because I'm um I I just I'd rather get involved than get it as an appearance but I always think I should have got it as appearance like last night um my friend did a 24-hour sing-a-thon for charity um Mm -hmm. and I went on and did loads of duets and things with him but it was through um, it was through an app, so it was only vocals. So there's no literal pictures of us singing together or anything. Um, oh, okay. And, like, I screenshotted like the thing, the app that it was run through, um, and amazing. He had a 500 pound goal, and he raised 740 pounds plus oh. his mother's that he hasn't put on his just giving yet. So I thought it was amazing. I'm so proud of. It. I was like crying listening to the last song this morning because he finished at 9 a.m. this morning. Um, oh gosh, that's just. That's just like an hour or two ago. Sung, he sung through the night. I was like crying while um, like he did his last song. Um, and his voice has held up really well. I remember like 10 hours in, it was getting a bit sore. Um, but this morning, he was sounding like just as good as he did at the beginning. Oh, I love that. Um, but how do you get that still getting involved in a charity thing? How do how do you get that as an appearance? So it gets a bit tricky. Anyway, we've massively digressed already. <laughs> Which is always good. Uh, the best bits happen between the questions. Um, so um, you run House of Pageantry as well. How did you get started with that as a separate thing? What made you want to do that? So I think for me, after I finished Miss Ghana UK, I felt like there was no sense of aftercare. And that's just me being honest. Um, I think there's a lot of disappointments and girls sometimes when they don't win the pageant, even though they spend so much money in um, buying their dresses, finding sponsors and 
like paying for coaches and everything like that. So at first, um, House of Pageantry was like a little bubble where girls were coming to me and just like venting basically and just really just saying how disappointed they have been and they don't want to do pageants ever again. So I was just listening to them and advising them on how they can still move forward regardless of the fact that they have a crown or not a crown. Because what matters is the title, um, the mission or your platform that you actually want to achieve. So yeah. that's how we kind of started at first, like just really encouraging girls and everything like that. And then I think in my in my first year of after I did Miss Ghana UK, um, the guys in Germany, Miss Ghana Germany, fa- found out about me and said, oh, can you come over and train some of the girls there for us? which I did. And then literally it just expanded from there where people within the African and Caribbean culture and, and community kind of got to know me better and were like, okay, yeah, we can rely on her. There are not many people that actually do pageant coaching or mentoring um, and inspiring young people to really get the best out of them during the pageant season. So that's how I kind of just developed. So I used to do it under my own name, as in my maiden name, Jasmine Asano. But then I thought to myself, no, I want a team underneath it that can also help someone else and train them up, basically upskill them so that they can get to a level where they can train other people as well, which I've done, for example, with Abigail. So Abigail was a mentee at first and she has been going up and down with me for like four years now. She was first a mentee and I've upskilled her now to a level where she can actually take on um, clients as well. And she teachers and coaches other girls as well um, and boys even and she does choreographies for fashion shows and everything like that so that's how we kind of started as like just like a support group encouraging girls to not give up on what their platform and why they started the pageant or why they entered the pageant to now being um, recognized as like a pageant coaching organization where we help individual young people um, girls and boys get ready and prepare them for the pageant but also help pageants that need um, any type of assistance. So we can actually also get into the organization and work directly with the organization and come in and do your coaching. And sometimes even we also help with backstage preparation and everything like that so that the pageant runs smoothly. So there's like two or even three aspects of House of Pageantry. And I think the last aspect of House of Pageantry is like the charitable side of things. So we want to do more charitable work. So last year we did an outreach to an elderly care home where we had, um, I think, 10 pageant girls come and we spent a day during Christmas there just really encouraging and supporting um, elderly during that time because it can be a bit isolated. I do think the best, best businesses have a give back aspect. Um, yeah. There's always been an aspect of something within, I think, maybe not the very first business I started, but I was 22. Um, it was many <laughs> years ago. Um, and I actually decided I didn't want to run it for very long. So um, <laughs> businesses, there's always been an, a give back aspect that I've always wanted to include, even if it was when I had my B&Bs, making sure that we gave away a couple of stays a year. Um, to charity raffles and things like that um it was yeah making sure that there was always, there's always got to be a give back element um sadly with pageant land our give back element is going to be a fair few years off because eventually we want to be able to help sponsor financially sponsor uh national title holders going to internationals i agree with you that's such an amazing goal like honestly if we could do that that's definitely something there's something that we've also looked into especially for the african caribbean community again because I think some of the challenges that they have, do you know what, let me hold that 
answer back because that might cover one of the questions for later um yeah no it's um it's the uk we don't support our national we we not that we don't want to but we don't have the infrastructure in place to support our national mm-hmm. holders in the same way that other countries do um and that's one of our big sort of missions with pageant land um, it was actually one of the first before pageant land podcast became pageant land as a whole it was one of our missions with the podcast get the podcast big enough that it was worth um suppliers advertising on um, and then the funding from those suppliers would would cover the costs of the podcast first which is pretty much next to nothing but there are a couple of costs um but then form this pot of money that we'd be able to use to help support um national title holders going off to internationals yeah because um, not some of them the systems do fund certain amounts of things but there's always so many more expenses on top of what yeah can cover and um and they don't want like we could have some absolutely amazing potential international queens in the UK that aren't getting a chance because of finances. And um, I think we should be nice to be able to, as a community, step up and support a bit more. So yeah, one day, one day, we have lots of plans to get there. So <laughs> step by step, as I'm taking it step by step. Um, <laughs> you still are ha- you're still on the singing groove. Still on like the the 24 hour singathon thing. Yeah. Um, so we're obviously discussing quite a, a tricky but incredibly important topic um, mm-hmm. because I think when um, Black, Lives, Black Lives Matter has been around for a long time, but when it really sort of energised um, during lockdown or, or more people became aware of it that didn't have a clue before, like I didn't have a clue before, I'll be completely yeah. honest. Um, I'm ignorant, but I'm trying has become my hashtag. <laughs> um, there were people saying to me, well, is there racism in pageantry? And I'm like, I can't imagine that there isn't. I hadn't personally like witnessed it because I can't mm-hmm. have a piece of white privilege. Um, it wasn't something I'd witnessed or experienced, but I was like, I'm, I'm pretty sure there will be. I don't think any industry sector community is is sort of um miss is missing it unfortunately mm-hmm. um so I knew it must be hit there somewhere and obviously spoken to to friends and trying to get a bit more information and we were trying to work out what could we do as pageant land um when it first started but also there's that oh, we don't want to be inauthentic and we didn't at the time it was predominantly me and I just didn't know enough to move anything forward and um, mm-hmm. we sort of had held off and planned to um do educate in the background and um to start more stuff when it came to Black History Month in November which we obviously featured lots of different people and things and lots of different stories on but again I so I normally write the content for our Instagram feed and I did not feel I feel like the word comfortable is wrong. So a little bit, I did not feel like I was educated enough to write those posts. So those posts were written by someone that had more knowledge um, mm-hmm. about those stories and the importance of those stories. Um, they weren't written by me. Um, and we did have people come, oh, can you do one about so-and-so and so-and-so? And I'm like, I'm not actually writing them. I can pass names on, but I think they've all been pre-written and I'm just being like fed them on a week, once a week. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was just not... Um, and it was like, I want to speak out, but I don't know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is for me, not something that happens very often. I normally very much know what I'm saying. Um, so for those that are still like, where, where is and what is the racism we experience in pageantry? Can you tell us a bit about the different as- aspects of racism you've experienced or witnessed within the pageant industry? 
Um, do you know what? Yeah, I think the way I'm going to start this off is by just recently. Um, so being a black pageant coach in the UK, I am being compared to or our organization, not just myself. So when I say I, I mean House of Pageantry. Um, we are compared to our counterparts, which are like the white coaches. Um, and I think especially during lockdown, something that I, I would say had an impact on us and made us really think a lot um, is the fact that, that we did have a few, a few clients um, who were interested and filled out, in, in, filled out an enrollment form and everything like that, um, send us an email to say that they want to coach with us. But as soon as we started running a campaign called Dear Pageant World, um, which were the purpose of that campaign kind of was to address issues within the pageant world that are not seen like black people winning the title here in the UK or not many black people winning the title in predominant key the Grand Slam kind of pageants. When we started addressing that, we started receiving emails saying, oh, unfortunately, I have to withdraw my coaching from you um, because I'm not participating in this pageant anymore. But then they were still following us and then we found out that they're still doing the pageant and they're just coaching with somebody else. So to me, it just felt like, it just felt very uncertain. Like it just felt, it, it just didn't feel right to me. I just felt like, why is it that you're just removing yourself all of a sudden? Because we already had everything set up and we were ready to move. So I don't want to say it was racism or discrimination or anything like that, but it just, with everything that's happening in this pandemic and also Black Lives Matter, it just felt a bit odd to me that you're now saying you don't want to coach with us anymore all of a sudden when we set up payment plans you know we've done our analysis of where and what you need training on and everything like that like we've actually done a lot of things for you already but now when we are about to start you're just withdrawing so it was a bit odd for us so I think that was my heads on like proper thought of okay hmm where do I stand here within the pageant coaching industry being a black organized being a black majority organization that doesn't mean that we don't teach or train white um or caucasian women but what we are known for is being black coaches so yeah i hope that gave you an answer hopefully so that's been my main experience so far because it's kind of it's sort of that double angle you're then questioning is it have they they suddenly become aware of my skin color because of the um the more publicity around it or is it they're they're not willing to support someone that's supporting something ethically right because it's like I think there are things there are a few things in life racism being one of them um for me personally another one is bullying where it's just a right and wrong it's not it's not a there are two sides to every story it's 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 ethical Mm-hmm. it's it's an ethical moral thing and mm-hmm. I mean we have a thing in pageant now and we started try to to stay away from not stay away from yes I'd probably use that phrase actually stay away from the more controversial things that we don't we won't pick a side but we have a very clear line when it comes to racism and bullying because for us that's ethical that's not a picking we're not picking yeah. a side um we're talking about yeah 
something that's yeah you know, inhumane that feels not quite the right wording but but you know what I mean it's not yeah I do don't worry <laughs> there's no side you can't pick a side you're either right you are right or wrong those are the two sides yeah um, so it's yeah and it's quite a tricky one and and when you competed in things were there issues that you found and so this is the thing, yeah, and I'm going to be completely honest. I have not competed in any Galaxy, Miss Universe, Great Britain, or any of the, I would say, um, pageants that are direct. Yeah, basically. Um, also, I have not predominantly white pageants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so thank you very much. Like, I've not competed in any of them, simply because I was too scared for the longest. Um but I've sent a lot of girls to them because they had more confidence than me in that aspect. But I was just a bit too scared. I'm, I'm five foot five and a half or five foot four and a half. I'm very sh- like short. <laughs> I'm short and I'm very curvaceous. Um, I'm very outspoken. Um, I'm very... Out- There's these stereotypical things that they use to describe a black woman, unfortunately. So they use um, things as... If you're passionate about something, they would say a black woman is aggressive, though it is passion. So those kind of terminologies were swaying in my mind for the longest time and has kind of stopped me from entering any of the white pageants. Um, so me, myself, I haven't experienced any racism directly because I haven't competed, but it's just been very challenging I feel like overcoming that thought you protected yourself from potential racism. And we're not saying that any of those systems are racist, but because oh, yeah. predominantly white um, number of contestants, it makes you feel like you're not comfortable going into them. Um, yeah. And this becomes, um, we've got an episode coming out after this one with Kat Henry, where even though racism wasn't our topic, we did discuss it quite a bit. Um, oh. and, um, and so you jump, jump to the, if you're listening they may be that people have heard that one are coming back to this one. So they jump between the two because we did mention <laughs> was recording this with you. And um, that that really tricky balance for systems that are perceived to be predominantly white, um, white directors, predominantly white queens type thing, that it's quite where do they go to um, to make those differences, which we're going to discuss a bit later on. But it's, it's quite a tricky one to not be perceived to be jumping on a bandwagon or trying to be on trend by suddenly now trying to be a bit more inclusive. But otherwise, yeah. we don't try and do something. Like, we're all on a learning curve. So my, my, mm-hmm. my side was, I think, that it, it all it all helps. It doesn't even matter if they yeah. just want to jump on a bandwagon as far as I'm concerned, as long as they start yeah. to make changes. Um, have you seen any improvements over the time that you've been in pageantry, do you think it's getting better or are we just sort of stagnant at the moment? Um, do you know what? Let me go back to the question that you just asked me before, which links kind of like to the question that we are talking about now. Mm. So one of my girls actually went to a pageant internationally and that is where she experienced a lot of racism. So, and I haven't spoken to a lot of other girls of colour that have gone to internationals they feel like there's more racism with the international system more than the UK-based system. I think it was the UK-based system, which probably we're going to be talking about later on a bit as well, but with the UK-based system, it's more of a representation problem. Um, And then internationally, that is where 
um, the issue of racism just comes in because you're with so many different countries where some countries are actually known for not being interested or know much about black people. So that is the main difference. So in terms of mm, are we improving, are we getting better? I think over the course of lockdown again, I've and this whole rise of Black Lives Matter, I think there have been a lot of people that are educating themselves. Um, I yeah, I can yeah, I can openly say that there are people that are educating them, trying to educate themselves. There are people that are educating this, themselves, and there are people that are asking questions, the necessary questions. And honestly, anyone that is listening to it, if you need to ask questions about how to get African Caribbeans more involved, feel free to message us because we are open to have that conversation um, with them. So there have been a few organizations that have messaged us to have have asked us questions. How can we get more African Caribbeans involved? And what do you think we could do about this? And how can we go about this? So I think we are moving slowly into the right direction. But I think there needs to be there needs to be there needs to be more. Um, and it comes to the sense it will be down to the matter of representation. Yeah. Um, like I was saying, I think representation is what is needed. But I don't want to say too much in case that's the next question that we go into. Well, so, so that, <laughs> that does lead really nicely to the next question. What do, we wish, uh, what do you wish people understood about racism and pageantry? And I think that's very, what you said is very important. That it's pre- There's a lot more at international level. Um, and at UK level, it's about the representation um, and how we make sure that everyone feels like they can apply and that, they, that they'll be mm-hmm. in a place coming to a pageant and that they'll be supported and that it's it's an open playing field for anyone to win. Yeah. So I think for me, this is a conversation that I was actually having with um, one of my um, friends. She's an international coach and she lives in Bahamas. And hopefully I should be posting that conversation that we had on our podcast as well. But basically we were just saying that it starts from the judges. You need to have more people of colour within your judges. judges. Mm-hmm. Then from the judges, judges app to your makeup artist, to your hairstylist, to your different sponsors that you might be sending your girls to, the people that you might have as photographers, there needs to be a sense of diversity amongst that. Because I think one of the British values is um, much mutual um, respect and tolerance to each other and I think sometimes we can literally forget about our British values sometimes that it is it is important to respect all cultures and have them involved um so I think that the more people will see that the more people of color will see that okay there's an ethnical f there's a person of color doing pictures there's a person of color taking um doing the judging there's a um person of color you know actually participating or they are involved in some type of way in the managerial system or managerial level of that pageant it will give them a sense of confidence to be like you know what yeah maybe I can you know enter this pageant because this person then will relate to me and understand because I think another thing is there are some challenges that unfortunately women and men of color go through that even throughout the journey in that pageant it would be hard to relate it back to somebody that is not from that particular background. And so just having someone 
to speak to that is the same has come has come maybe from the same background makes things much much easier so just relating it back to education for example being a teacher so if I have black kids in a school but you don't have a black teacher the chances of that black student progressing or being inspired or feeling like they can become something is is lower if they don't have a black teacher so if they have a black teacher then they will be like okay do you know what I can aspire to be like this teacher one day does that make sense yeah so it is that same thing we we had a, a very diverse um a very diverse mix at my school because I went to a board I didn't board but I went to boarding junior school and um, mm-hmm. and we had um I know at least one chap that was well he was rumored to be an African prince um <laughs> and it was it was one of those rumors that was very hush hush so it might have actually been true as opposed to one of those everyone knew type ones that mm-hmm. so who knows um but it was yeah it was, I mean it was an absolutely lovely school and I what were we so we were there were like seven girls in my year um and two of them were black there was um I'm trying to I don't think we had any I'm just I'm trying to picture it was such a small school year you think I'd be able to picture everyone and um, we had um we had quite a few chaps boys from uh that came over from China um, mm-hmm. I don't think I don't I, not in our school year did we have anyone that wasn't I'm trying to picture <laughs> I think we were either white, <laughs> white or black in my in a uh, girls wise in my school year um but mm-hmm. there was um there was definitely a couple of families that were from China um and other like like big variation and and things mm-hmm. and also when you're that young you don't notice it as much so there may have been people from other countries that look a bit British Caucasian that actually weren't, but you mm-hmm. you don't really register at that age. Um, but we didn't have a single black teacher. Yeah, and it makes an impact. I the don't think anything but white Caucasian teachers, yeah. which was yeah. such an international mix. Um, is quite because the, the a lot of the there were kids whose um there was a mix within the different races there were. Uh, people who lived in the UK that came to our school and then there were people from outside of the UK yeah came to our school so it wasn't um uh they sometimes they were um I don't know if this is the politically correct way to say it so correct me <laughs> if I'm wrong. um black British or um from somewhere else uh but mm-hmm. still black like there was there was a there was a bit a mixture within the races that some were British but of a different race and African I background right. yeah of an African background or Caribbean background yeah and, <laughs> but then there were some that their predominant residence was outside the UK and they came in for school so there was there was there was a mixture of of cultures as well as ethnicities um, yeah and but that wasn't represented in our school teachers at all um yeah it just wasn't I guess it wasn't even a thing that was thought about and also we lived in a very a very white area Mm-hmm. so probably the 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 teachers within the within a commutable distance of the school um in a white area they're going to be more white teachers to have to yeah. more they're probably more applications from white teachers just because we're in a white area and some of the teachers did live on site 
Um, but I don't. I think it was once you were head of boarding or something that was an option. Yeah. An option for many of the teachers. So it kind of didn't really open out the spectrum to having teachers from too far afield. Um, and I guess that's the same thing as now moving into pageantry is is making that effort to specifically make sure you're representing across your whole yeah. system, like you say, of having um other people helpers um recommending hair and makeup the hair and makeup list not just being purely white because that ne- yeah. I never twigged me until um until this year that it would be such a massive I kind of thought hair and makeup artists would know how to do everything <laughs> yeah um, but that's the that's the thing actually um so one of my friends is a qualified makeup artist and one of my other friends well I have a few friends but those particular people um one is a qualified hair hairstylist and she's never been taught on um and she's an African Caribbean so that's the reason why she knows how to do African and Caribbean hair but she was in 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 a hairdressing school they never taught her how to do um African or Caribbean hair so did you see so there's I think it is just a general issue of ident- um diversity and equality like that needs to be just addressed across the board yeah. that there should be representation overall everywhere a bit because nowadays I would love to go to a hair shop because I need my hair done badly I would love to go to the hair shop down the road because the girls seem amazing um to ask them if they can you know cornrow my hair but probably they can't because they haven't been taught in that so it's not just within the pageant industry. I think it's a bigger issue whereby it has been so westernized in all aspects, whether it's in education, whether it is in training and development, whether it's in IT, whether it is in whatever field, it's just been very westernized or Eurocentric rather than anything else. And I think just linking it back to pageantry and I think linking it back to the earlier example that I was given in terms of like, you know, we had a client or we had a few clients, but unfortunately they withdrew from us. I think if they saw queens queens in the UK or kings in the UK that have won pageants that are of colour, they will feel much more comfortable and confident to coach with a woman of colour. Because at the end of the day, the skills that I'm giving you are not just for the stage, but also beyond. And I am capable of doing it. Um, but if you can't, see a black queen then that might also equal to black coaches not being good enough yeah does that make sense yeah so I think it is something yeah like I said I think representation really matters because it has an impact on other aspects within pageantry as well so how do we get um going back to when I said earlier about not wanting to look like they're jumping on the bandwagon how do we get past this do we literally just need to get over it or is there something more practical that we could do um about systems directors worrying about it appearing like they've got that token black person like do yes. they need to be like look don't worry about it just make sure there that, that you're starting to diversify um, or is is there a different way that we need to be approaching it? Do you know what? I was speaking to my team about this as well. So me, Abby and Ruva, so we're a team of three. Um, we were talking about this as well. How can or how can we improve current systems or how can directors move forward with it? And I think you just have to do it. Yeah. You just have to do it. But one thing I don't, okay. 
one thing I wouldn't promote is the tokenism approach. So, um, yeah, just don't have an approach of, you know, we're selecting 10 black girls to come and compete. Because at the end of the day, I want to be judged the same way as my counterpart because I have the same qualities. But what you can do for me is maybe diversify the judging sheet or the judges or, you know, your the hairdressers, like I was saying, diversify that rather than having that tokenism approach of, you know, there's there's just a system or a particular, I don't know how to even phrase it, but like just that tokenism approach, I feel like can go both ways, can be either like, okay, I'm the token black girl. And so, you know, I'm going to get that extra treatment or I'm the token black girl. I'm going to use that as an opportunity to make a difference. But even if you pick me as a token black girl and there's no judge that represents me also, then what was the purpose of what you just did, basically? Hmm. Yeah. So it's making it's making people feel more comfortable to be able to apply and be part of it as opposed to um, giving them an easy ride in. Yeah, that's that's just how I feel though. Um, <laughs> because some people would disagree with me because they they feel like that is how they're contributing towards Black Lives Matter and the issue of colour in general, which I understand as well but I think for me personally and yeah me personally not as house of pageantry but just me as person as Jasmine I just feel like I don't want to be that token black girl because then that could have other contestants look at me a different way as well so that will get me thinking again okay so they know I was differently selected than they were so are they thinking that I'm at an advantage because I'm the token black girl? So, so many questions can arise because of that. And how how do you then make everyone feel comfortable that they're being judged the same way if there was a different criteria for them to enter the pageant in the first place? I think the, t- the timing of the fact that none of the pageants really have happened this year is, is quite interesting because had this... Um, all been highlighted again like I'm under no illusion that this has been an issue for a long time but obviously it's got a lot more attention this time around and I think that's really really good um but had all the pageants then happened afterwards you'd have been it had been really really tricky if then suddenly there'd been loads of black winners because it'd be like oh did they win just because of BM, the BML movement mm-hmm. and and things whereas now we've got the distance until the next pageant start to make the the more foundational changes mm-hmm. um, to not just make those sort of off the cuff oh quick uh wait I'm gonna tell my judging panel to make sure that there's 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 half the top five is is uh, not white basically yeah. <laughs> um whereas yeah, yeah. You actually make the the changes to changing the judges to making sure that you're when you issue makeup artist sheets that they've got options that are actually know how to deal with different types of hair and things yeah and they can make those changes now well so we've talked a lot about um where directors can make the changes because i think that's obviously quite a big thing to having um, a more sort of diverse more diverse appearance on the stage, I guess. Um, but what difference could queens and contestants be making? 
Oh, that's a that's a tricky one. Um, because I've always just looked at it from a director's perspective. Um, wow, <laughs> give me a moment. I just think about that one. I guess it's kind of a two way thing. Like, um, how can mm. someone like me as a white contestant help to make um pageant industry uh, more yeah. inclusive and less racist? But also, how could someone um who isn't white basically because it doesn't it always need to be someone who's yeah. black, it's inclusivity across a broader spectrum um but how yeah. it's not white help to include more people of their um culture and ethnicity in the industry as well do you um, know the first thing that came into my mind was appearances um so when i say appearances there's a lot of african and caribbean pageants that actually happened during this um covid 19 so attending so if, for example, Miss, I'm just going to make up a pageant now. Miss Green is a, Miss Green is a Caucasian woman, a woman or a white woman. She then is going to Miss Caribbean UK. And that inter, intercultural appearance yeah. and then her posting about that on her Instagram is a start. Mm. That, that is the first thing that comes to my mind is a start to getting people maybe hopefully interested in clicking on the app to find out, okay, what's actually Miss Caribbean UK? What is Miss Teen Caribbean UK? What is Miss Africa International UK? Clicking into those and then finding out a bit more. And then hopefully like that, you've done an appearance. You are, well, cross-advertising each other and then hopefully you know, they are, they will be promoting that cross-cultural conversation on social media. Yeah. I think it's, um, with the, with the website launching, we've got, we, we had to put together a list of pageants, UK-based pageants. And it was Mm -hmm. really tricky because it was trying to find the line of the newer pageants. If it's a charity one-off, are we going to list it? And it's, it has to be a national or an international pageant. Um, mm-hmm. or, and it can be a national that doesn't lead to international or it can be a national that leads to international those were kind of the mm-hmm. two options national national that leads to international or international that's based in the UK um, and I was like well, it's probably like 15 maybe 20 we had over 40 on our list mm-hmm. um, and some of those we've gone onto the social media and they maybe haven't posted for a year so we're not actually sure if they're running but then we'll find someone that's actually doing appearances with one of their sashes and we're like oh maybe they are running um <laughs> but that's been really really interesting and we're and um, so we we list as many as we've got um pretty much and um, we've got a, a little list of ones we're not sure whether they're running or not so we haven't put those up um but if we found like active social media they've gone up with their name and a picture and then it's up to the director to submit their full details if they submit their full details they get a separate web page that's just about their pageant system um, mm-hmm. and we've maybe had about 25 percent um have signed up for that and it's free it's just um I, I guess a mixture of getting around to it a lot of pageant offices are sort of shut up shop for the year and um, mm-hmm. and also I know there are other pageant websites that charge uh, like pageant planet charge for that which the, it's a massive website they should charge for their services and um, they charge for advertising so I think um, some people have seen our email and thought it was a chargeable service and stuff so I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. We were at 25% and growing like every day we get a couple more systems mm. um but from that we've held off this year because 
everyone's dates are chopping and changing so much. Um, <laughs> but from next year, we want to start building up a calendar of all these pageants and when they are. Now we've got a list yeah. of pageants and their email addresses. And also once they've signed up, they've made, they know our brand, they know our connection. When they get an email from us, it hopefully won't go into spam. They'll register what it is. Yeah. We can start making sure that we're all aware of what pageants are coming out and um, so that we can go to more and, and not just be going to the same couple and staying. Um, just within our own group from a networking point of view of meeting new people and um, yeah, is an amazing thing. The industry is small but bigger than we think. Yeah, I agree with you. In the UK. So we'll get, yeah, next year, we've sort of, we're running an Excel sheet that we're slowly trying to build up for next year, but dates, like I say, dates keep changing and places aren't committing to to things yet. So we'll, we'll keep working on that. Um, yeah. Hopefully with that and also with the newsletter, um, when that launches next year, again, because of COVID, we've delayed and delayed and, and, and making it more next year because there wouldn't be very much content to put on it right now. Yeah, literally, we even stopped our newsletter as well because our newsletter, very similar to you, we have an Excel sheet. Maybe we should work together on this. But basically, we have an Excel sheet as well with different dates of appearances across the UK, not just London, because sometimes, a lot of times when you're based closer to London, you just focus on pageants that happen in London. But um, yeah, so we have an Excel spreadsheet with those pageants as well. Um, we have the contact details very similar to you but another thing that we've added also is like appearances um no world uh, world awareness days like the different world awareness days that people can do like appearances with and yeah so that we could definitely be sending you some stuff and we know again with the African Caribbean community we know some of the directors as well and so we could maybe work on that together which shouldn't be on a podcast that we're discussing this business purposes but (laughs) hearing more about the stuff that's coming as well um but yeah Yeah. with the newsletter we're going to because that will come out every month and it will have the systems that have that have happened the month before and who was crowned yeah yeah basically know who who our title holders are and all our different systems um and it will also have the systems that have that have got competitions in the next month so you can remember to get tickets yeah because i always funnily enough it's not a small one I always miss Miss Universe, uh, GB. Yeah, no, you're not the only one. I don't know how, but I always do. I always do. Like, it's always that everyone's like, oh, we're off to Universe GB. And I'm like, what, today? It's tomorrow? Like, oh, how have I missed this again? (laughs) Whoops. Um, And that's a big one. So I'm like, there must be so many, like, amazing ones that I could go to that I just don't. And now Felicity's old enough to stay up to sort of the end of the evening ones as well. We can go together and she loves Oh, bless her. So we'll enjoy when things open up a bit more, being able to get back to to going around them and things. Um, And what about, so contestants-wise, I think that's a really good tip because once things open up, that's really something that we can make sure that we do is not, not just going to the same pageants is is broadening your horizons and making sure you're sharing that on social media so people mm-hmm. are getting uh, perceived and it could be as much as I post a picture with um at a a predominantly black pageant with a black pageant queen and one of my friends suddenly goes oh well I've loved watching all Jess's pageant stuff but I never thought there was a place for me now I know there is um, yeah and sign up so yeah I had never thought of it that way I would definitely make sure I start doing that more um <laughs> like I, I well I look into pageants anyway so it's just a good excuse when, when and do you know what um African pageants well some of them are very different in terms of 
So we sometimes have a culture around and you get to learn so much about the African and the Caribbean cultures that you will actually be amazed. And then sometimes we have like dance competitions where we bring the parents on and the parents are dancing against each other. And that then would maybe generate some points for your contestants that are competing and everything like that. So it's very, very different. Like the atmosphere is so different. So you you actually could think that you're at a carnival or like a party. So it would be amazing for all of us to actually go to an African pageant or a Caribbean pageant to really see the contrast inside of it and also maybe learn from each other and give each other advice on what we could also adapt or take away and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, so that would be great. Oh, I can't wait. Like, come on, COVID. Now I've got even more reason for you to do <laughs> Um And what about the Queens? Do you think there's anything extra that the Queens could be doing? Um, again, I guess it's a split question between um, those of... Uh, I was about to say more common skin tone, but that sounds terrible. Um, well, it is. It's the more common crown skin tone, isn't it? It's when you, yeah. Okay. Um, so, with the, yeah, people that have got maybe the normal look and people that maybe not normally consider the normal pageant look. Yeah. Um, which is terrible that it's defined into those two things, but it kind of is what it is at the moment, and we're trying to change mm-hmm. it. We're trying to change it. Um, so, yeah, Queen-wise, sorry. I've talked around that question about four times. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what can Queens do? Um, there's this one thing that Miss Uganda UK was doing is um, they weren't doing, I think they're still doing it because I got interviewed on it. What they were doing is they were getting the, their past Queens to interview people on Instagram. Again, I feel like everything is social media based in this um, pandemic at the moment. But... Um, what a queen could be doing is maybe reaching out to other queens, the African-Caribbean queens or even Asian queens or queens of colour and getting the conversation started on their platforms. And hopefully like that, people will be tuning in. And again, you can create a conversation that can inspire some type of change within, you know, the systems to just push forward of like, you know, we are open to hear out what people are saying. I'm open to gain some suggestions and everything like that so I guess that's the first thing I can think of and then just queens again having maybe this is so social media based but having maybe a time or a slot where they just are messaging people of color well that's just me just a suggestion but maybe just messaging people of color that have liked some of their posts and something like that just to say thank you, to start building your relationships like that with them and just like that they can feel like, okay, you know, there is some type of connection to Miss Green. And so therefore Miss Green seems very friendly. And so hopefully I can apply to Miss Green one day and also become Miss Green as a woman of colour, something like that. Mm-hmm. So just opening up their time and just allowing people to message them and them also messaging others, just reaching out like an outreach kind of instagram project is it's there's a lot of the starting steps and making is that actively it's like changing any habits actively trying yeah to make those differences without feeling like someone's going to call you out for actively trying to do it um Mm -hmm. so do you think there is that like touched on the beginning there is that worry of um 
people being called that are jumping on the bandwagon and stuff like that where it's like yeah just trying to make a positive difference leave them alone it doesn't matter what yeah. you do people will always say something negative about it when you try you don't try someone's going to say something negative about it so you might as well yeah, do yeah, right definitely. Thing. and you might as well do the right thing and get backlash than do the wrong thing and get backlash mm-hmm. <laughs> which is absolutely nuts is there anything else you think we should add before we wrap up today mm, I should, well the only thing like that that I keep thinking about is this is not a trend like black lives matter is not a trend or people of color is not a trend and I hope that it's not just people are not just trying to be more diverse and when I say diverse not just in race but in disabilities and gender and everything like that just for this pandemic sake Mm-hmm. um it sh- it should be a a lifestyle it should be a lifestyle for the pageant to be diverse not just for a year or two yeah does that make sense it's and movement. i think it's oh yeah movement. sorry go on it's a movement and the thing about the word movement is you're moving from one place to the next to another yeah this is a movement that's taking us to a better a better place a place of more diversity and more equality um yeah so many different ways um it's it might be trendy at the moment but trends are, think something being trendy is often sort of the rocket fuel to boost a movement along its journey yeah um, and that's what we need to remember we're kind of in it for the long haul and that's why I like yeah. my instant reaction was oh my god I need to make a difference I've started reading I've started educating myself <laughs> and I've, I'm like I'm shocked and stunned and I should have been doing more beforehand like what can we do on pageant land and sort of spoke to me yeah and we were like actually it's better that we make infrastructural that's not a real word but I'm going with it infrastructural <laughs> changes it works for me it sounds perfect yeah, um, it sounds it, like a real word what happens when two dyslexic people talk to each other we just make up <laughs> um, infrastructural uh changes to everything that we're doing and and making sure that we we keep the movement going as opposed to posting something and being super trendy about it um, yeah. And the thing is, a lot, a lot will go on in the background with b- businesses making changes. They won't all be massive, big public changes like um, the CrossFit community. Um, their change uh, was very public because their CEO and 100% shareholder had to sell and step down for them, mm. for their industry to survive um, and and to move with the movement as opposed to be crushed by it. Um, that that's a massive change and obviously it happened very very publicly but within pageantry within systems making changes um I think a lot of the the changes will be going on in the background um and we'll see more of it as things open up more um, yeah. as events happen more whether they they have made those changes and things yeah. and hopefully this podcast has helped them um okay. but you're quite happy for people particularly like directors and things to reach out to you to discuss yeah, so like I was saying earlier, sorry, before I answer that question, there's one more thing that I remembered. I think that's one thing that we should be doing. I think sometimes also there, and I can only relate it back to some of the girls that I've interviewed for our podcast. Um, some of them haven't entered um, the white pageant simply because of the fact that they're asking for a lot of payment up front. Um, a lot of, and I'm sure that is not just within the white community or the black community, um, but everyone is 
always financially challenged. And I think one thing that would be amazing if there was like a installment plan of how they can pay like the £200 or £250 registration fee. Um, because asking, because I remember another reason why I never entered any of the white pageants was because they are, they were asking for £250 up front straight away. Yeah. And I can't pay. I, I, there was no way that at the age of 16 or 18, I would be able, or even 20, even at 25, two years ago, I wouldn't have been able to just cash out 250 pounds straight away like that. Um, You know, and I think especially some of the black people that I've spoken to regarding my pageant, um, pageant podcast, they have said that they are from a very challenging background whereby they are on, full-time benefits mom doesn't work properly or even the money that mom gets or dad gets is not enough to take care of them and their five siblings Mm. but they want to do a pageant so maybe having some type of you know um installment plan that can allow them to pay they definitely want to do the pageant but pay maybe 50 pound 50 pound and 50 pound 50 pound to make up that sum in order to qualify for the finals something like that would be amazing my yeah, I've, my yemming has been fifty pound instalments. Um, you had a fifty pound down payment um, to get your sash, which was really nice because it means you can. I already felt part of it. I think that getting your sash with your first payment, yeah, was a biggie for me. Um, yeah, it's it is part of it. You can start getting going, and I was sort of feeling a bit lost not having like a title. So to have a um, like a regional title and be a competitor again was really really lovely. Um, and then I've just paid in fifty pound instalments. And the so the competition for Yemi is the moment set for the beginning of April. Um, and mm-hmm. I think we had to pay. I want to say by the beginning of March, our final instalment needed to be the first of March at the latest. Um, which gave you loads of time. Yeah. And 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 I just thought it was so, so lovely. I haven't noticed this massive, um, like, chunk disappearing out of my account. Exactly. Wasn't. And especially during this COVID season, imagine you just dashing out £200 or £250. Hmm. That that would have a huge impact on you. And it's, I think sometimes as well, particularly in these, um, with finances being particularly difficult at the moment, even if you've got that £250 sat in your bank account with so much uncertainty at the moment, you don't really want to let it go mm-hmm. one lump. It would be mm-hmm. nicer to let it go in bits yep. um, just to be on the safe side. And to be fair, that that was me is because my work stopped at the beginning of COVID and I got some oh, no. a few months into COVID, picked, picked some work back up again. Not as much, but still some. Um, mm-hmm. So it's sort of like, oh, I don't really, it's there, but I don't really want to pay one lump sum because I don't know what next month's going to bring. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's It felt a bit safer it's staying there. And so yeah. that kind of is an, another really nice option. But yeah, it's, um, yeah, I like that one. It's a good one. We've not, <laughs> we've not discussed like payments and things and, um, there's things about different contracts because I've got <laughs> I'm gonna get myself in so much trouble. Now. I, I I feel like I feel like just to yeah I was just gonna say not to get yourself in trouble. I'm let's always, have this conversation. No no this is after. Important. I think. Are you sure? Don't I get yourself in trouble. Yes, <laughs> I think it's important. I would very much like to see um, systems moving away from calling their fees sponsorship. Yeah so, yeah 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 I, yeah, I agree with you. 
But I think when it's outright called sponsorship, when you can't get a sponsor and you are sponsored by friends or family or you pay it yourself, you already feel like you failed. Yeah, I agree with you a thousand percent. And it's not saying you can't be sponsored or that you can't have a sponsor or your sponsors, because I think getting sponsors is really, really important. But I think wording that as uh, your sponsorship and that's the only option because it's not the only option. People just pet themselves quite often. Um, yeah. It is labelled that. Um, I think it can make people feel a little bit like they fail. Uneasy. To start mm-hmm. with, yeah. Um, I mean, the first pageant I competed in, I got sponsorship really easily. Um, I don't know how we did it. It was the gym my mum went to, which was very, very nice. Um, and um, the manager had a big soft spot for my mum and my whole family. And I'd been a member there and we lived opposite and like, it was a community thing. And for them, it was mm-hmm. not much money at all. Like when I asked for it, he thought I was going to be asking for like three grand. So when I said it was only 350, he was like, Oh, here you go. Like, great done. Um, <laughs> but after that, I've always really struggled to find sponsorship. Um, mm-hmm. And for me, it's worked out. It would take me more time to find the sponsorship than I would earn the money myself. So I might as well yeah. self-employed. I might as well just work a few more hours instead of spending those hours phoning around trying to get a sponsor. Yeah. Um, but I still, even then, felt, because um, my second pageant, I had a sponsor lined up and they went into financial issues and didn't tell me. So they were telling me, oh, we'll pay it, we'll pay it, we'll pay it. And it dragged on for months without me getting my sash. Um, and then finally they said, I'm really sorry, we're going under. We've been really struggling. And I was just like oh why didn't you tell me I'd have just paid it myself and mm. got my wife or found someone else sort of thing um, it's about finding the fine the fine balance between sponsorship and paying things to yourself it's um, it. like um and finding sponsorship in other ways I mean this is we have got an episode coming out about sponsorship but now we've gone to this um before <laughs> um it's uh, so for my last pageant, I paid my own fees, but I had sponsors for the charity events that I ran, Okay, uh, which took some of the time pressure off, which meant that mm-hmm. I had more time to either work um, or the things that I would have paid because you shouldn't be paying for the expenses of your charity events. Like you can if you want to, but charity events, make sure that you're making a profit, not just paying for everything yourself. Yeah. Um, we've talked about that in previous things um but it, it just yeah it took the pressure off it took some of the financial and time pressure off because I had sponsors I had sponsor for my quiz night and they sponsored like a first drink that was part of the quiz and and I had an amazing sponsor for my big parent event which was quite a mega event and they they stumped up I can't remember how much it was but a few hundred pounds more than my admission fee to the pageant mm-hmm. um, in sponsorship for that event to make that event profitable so um it, it can be that you find sponsors in different ways that take off the financial burden or the time pressure burden in a different way. Um, yeah. Which I find quite interesting, but, um, but yeah, we, sorry. We, I would say the best bits between the questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we have got, um, I can't remember if it comes out before this or after this, we've got an, uh, an episode about working with sponsors and things like that coming out. Oh, okay. Amazing. Um, it's needed so it's like it's in it's already in my brain um yeah I'll probably get in trouble for my comment about maybe not calling it sponsorship in forms but maybe it'll spark some thought processes with directors and they'll it's it's changing wording it's not changing much it's just the word exactly that can have a big impact on how confident you go into a a pageant 
Yeah. I'd rather make up a business name, particularly if it's a pageant where they read out your sponsor on stage. I'd yeah. rather make or, or pick pick out a system that's a, a business that's always really supported me. Um, like I said to Clemmy, she she fills me with so much confidence when I've done photo shoots with her that if I ever go to international, I'd ask her to be for one of my sponsors, but I wouldn't want to. I just want to be able to call her one of my sponsors because she's been so supportive. Um, like I think that sometimes you can just do, if you're worried about not having a sponsor being read out on stage, just go to someone that you love and say, can I call you my sponsor? Yeah. Yeah, we've done that sometimes before for some girls in pageants as well. Yeah, um, nice to have that. Boot. They didn't have a sponsor, but they knew that it could look a bit weird. So they just asked us if we if they could put House of Pageantry there as a sponsor. Um, and I was like, yeah, go ahead. Like, honestly, it helps us with promotion anyway. So, you know, um, yeah, it's a great one. But just to answer your question that you was asking me um, before we digressed um, about am I happy for directors or contestants or queens or anyone to contact us yeah that is one dream of our organization anyway like I was saying what one part of our organization is the coaching aspect where we find clients and do things with clients ourselves but then we have the other aspect where we work with organizations such as like directors or pageants directly to help them enhance um, their pageant whether it's background they want us to run the backstage or find them makeup artists or find them hairdressers or anything like that um, we can do that and we have a pool of like white makeup artists as well as black makeup artists and even Asian makeup artists we have a pool of that so we can provide them with names we can provide them with suggestions and everything like that um, so yeah we're more than happy to do that and hopefully moving forward um, there will be more pageants that will get in contact with us I know that one pageant don't want to disclose their name yet but one pageant has actually um got in contact with us and we actually yeah we reached out to them based on something that they said on social media and so we've spoken to them and hopefully that will that will blossom into a nice relationship and hopefully that will also mean that people will recognize house of pageantry also as like a proper coaching organization that is there regardless of black or white these guys actually know what they are talking about um but yeah so yeah more than happy Follow us on Instagram, you know, follow us on Instagram, House of Pageantry, and find us on Facebook, House of Pageantry, and just send us a message. We're actually quite good with customer service and replying back to people. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to having conversations. If they want more details of House of Pageantry, they can always rock over to Pageantland Online, where they have a whole section of suppliers and there's a pageant coaching link and you can find them. I don't have all the links yet because we are literally in the final editing, updating all the SEO and optimizing for mobile stage of the website building. But yeah, pageantland.online. And yeah, you've got, got your little bit on there you're ever on there I'm so excited for the website can you tell oh yeah I can tell honestly I do you know what it's like I would okay I don't have children yet but I feel like creating a website is like a little baby oh giving birth was easier than building this website I wish I'd okay I wish I'd clocked every hour it's taken me to build it um it's got to be over a hundred easily over a hundred hours to build this site and I think anyone that hasn't built websites before um will not understand quite how yep. 
frustrating and tedious and but also awesome when some bits come together and it's suddenly yeah and you're just like oh my god my baby is growing I can finally like it can navigate yeah and it's like oh it looks right because you edit the editing software doesn't quite look how it looks when you launch it and then you launch it and it looks so good and it's like yeah I can't wait I'm so excited I will I don't know how I'm going to celebrate yet but there will be big celebrations Oh, hopefully lockdown will be over at that time and then we can all go and celebrate physically together. If not, we will do like Yeah. I'll just get a bottle of Bolly and like sit in the sit in the garage by myself and have a little celebration. (laughs) Well, we'll be celebrating by planning our next big thing, won't we? Honestly. That's what we do. Awesome. Thank you so much. No, it was amazing having a chat with you. Honestly, I really enjoyed myself and I hope that this leaves people um it has stirred something in people's minds in people's souls people's vision and hopefully you know this will spark a change for the next couple of years or just for life in general within the community Thank you for joining me today. I value and appreciate your time so much. It's wonderful you've given some of it to this episode. Please rock on over to our Facebook or Instagram and share your thoughts. And I would love you to give this episode a share while you're there. For any specific links, check the show notes or rock on over to our website, pageantlandpodcast.com for more information about the podcast or how you can be a guest on a future episode. Have an amazing day. And remember, you sparkle your brightest when you're being yourself. See you soon.